Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. How are you today? It's the question that I would ask, that we would ask each other. It's a question that we ask in passing. You know, how are you? How are you doing? Um, it's a question that uh, we, we usually have a pretty ready answer, answer for, a pretty quick answer for. I'm fine. Doing all right. If we have a, if, if we have a moment and we have a trust, we might, uh, we might get a little bit, uh, just a little bit deeper than that. We might have space to be a little more vulnerable about what the answer might be. And by the way, that vulnerability doesn't always mean that things are crummy. Um, uh, even the awesome stuff sometimes requires more than the space of, hey, how are you? <clears throat> right? You know, it might, it might be that our, our automatic response is, I'm awesome. Um, but there's a story that's there. And even that story of awesomeness, that might also require a little bit more uh, safety, a little bit more intimacy and, 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 and capacity. It's an interesting question. It's one of the most asked questions, and I don't know that statistically, but I believe that anecdotally. Certainly one of the questions that I ask the most, because I ask it without really thinking, often. Um, And I believe it's the question that God is asking us all the time. Every time we take a moment and reflect on it, I believe that he's asking us, and he's why is he asking us? Is he asking us because he doesn't know course he's not. He's asking us, I think, because I'm not convinced that we always really know. I think he leads us into a certain, a certain form of reality by the question. And it's not unlike the question, the very first question um, that, get, that gets asked, um, you know, kind of this initial exchange of dialogue between God and his his people his two people there's this sense of connection and God being among them Adam, Adam and Eve story and then of course things go sideways and God shows up in the garden and, and he says where are you guys it's not unlike that question how are you? Where are you? They're not unrelated. Yeah, I'm seeing a comment here um, from Doug. I had a friend I worked with years ago after uh, the I'm fine reply, he would say, how are you really doing? Um, <clears throat> it really matters. The answer to that question really, really matters. And I'd like to dive into that a little bit this morning. So where is, where is this coming from? Well, um, the journey that we've been on for a little while now, looking at uh, just kind of exploring some of the underpinnings, some of the foundational things that exist behind that examine prayer practice that I introduced a little while ago on a Sunday. We've been practicing it, some of us, on Fridays for a year or more. 
and again, not that it's a not that it's something that's uh, explicitly in the Bible or or the the magic uh, way to have a, a great dynamic um, life with Jesus, although although it is pretty pretty helpful, truthfully. But you know, I don't want to conflate it and make it sound like we're teaching this in the way we would be teaching the Bible. But it just seems so so helpful to me as a practice, so helpful. Um, <clears throat> To being able to get located, to being able to figure out where I'm at with Jesus, where I'm at in my own story. And so that's one of the reasons why we're using it as a bit of an architecture for our conversations. And so We are, we're coming again, there's five steps. And I'm happy to repeat this every week because I would be delighted to find out that we're doing this on our own um, every week, even daily, actually. We, we, you know, this can be very quick practice. Um, but, you know, the opening movement is, is we practice stillness, right? We're not going to fill it with noise. We're not going to fill it with, uh, with smoke and mirrors. We're just going to go quiet and invite the Lord. Assuming that he's in the quiet place where we're not working hard. And then the practice of, of Thanksgiving. And we had such a beautiful conversation about that a couple of weeks ago. It was really powerful. I, I loved that conversation that we had about, about Thanksgiving. Um, and if you, if, if you haven't heard that, actually, that's one that I would recommend going back and, and listening to um, on, on the podcast or the video feeds or whatever. Um, and, and, um, and of course... Um, last week we were going to talk about this um, and it was not out of line with what we're going to talk about this morning. We just needed to take space uh, and and talk about what's been going on in the world, what's been going on in our own country, in our own stories and histories. And that was so very meaningful and in line in in many ways with with the next two practices of the exam. And so today we're going to pick that up. The third movement of the exam is is to answer the question, essentially, how are you? It's to dive into the emotional reality of your life and, right now. And it's not, this is one of those things, they're, 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 in this world, there are things that should be and things that should not be. There are oughts and there are ought nots. There are right answers and wrong answers. That is, that, that I believe that this is a thing. I believe it's possible to be wrong some of the time. But here's the thing, when we are taking stock of what we are feeling in the moment, what our emotional reality is, uh, no wrong answers, as long as we're being honest with ourselves. This is not, it's not a valuation, really. Right? We're not interrogating in this question, we're not interrogating how we're feeling. There might be a place for that, possibly. But this ain't it. Um, you know, we have a Bible that, uh, I need to pull up my notes again here. There they went. We have a Bible that's really comfortable with this. A Bible that's really uh, comfortable with all of our emotions, has a container for it. It's a Bible, think about this, it's a Bible that, that contains the book of Job. Not only does it contain the book of Job, the book of Job is arguably the first book of the Bible that was actually written. 
chronologically. There's a strong argument for that in terms of um, just study and, and, understand, and uh, understanding sort of the historical arc of how our scriptures came into being. Job uh, is, is ancient and it's there. And Job is full of just about all of the emotions. Uh, we have a book uh, of Psalms. And the Psalms throw their arms around every possible emotion. The Psalms even embrace and throw their arms around murderous emotion. It's crazy how, how wide the arms of Psalms are in relationship to the emotional experience of human beings and God. And God. The emotional experience of us and God in the image of God, the Psalms. Ecclesiastes, for Pete's sake. Ecclesiastes contains many, many emotions, futility, meaning, purpose, purposelessness, confusion, all of the uncertainty and anxiety. It's, it's, it's in that place too. We flip, the, we flip the script a little bit and we get the, the, the song of song songs right we we get this we get this book that is um that is so um, illustrative in its emotion emotional language that it almost makes us blush if we read it right if we read that book the way that it was written and intended and don't over spiritualize it as we are wont to sometimes do it will probably make us blush a little bit it's intense it's very emotional it's like teenage love emotional. It's that it's that emotional, which is which is probably some of the scariest. Uh, you know, if you talk about the size of our feelings, and then this tiny little section of the scriptures, which I say with with a with a with a smile, we call the prophets. Prophets make up a pretty good, big chunk of the story. And it is full of the emotive reality, intention, and, and almost like, it's almost like a theater of war of the heart that live in the, in the stories of the prophets. Again, there's really nothing that's off script. There's nothing that's not contained there's not, you know, where we say, well, no, that one doesn't, that, there's, that one doesn't fit anywhere. No, it's all there. You know, and so what I'm not going to do is proof text the talk today, make sure that I have my single passage from here or from there just to kind of prove my point. I, um, the Bible is an emotional book. It's, it, it, is, it lives in the heart. It lives in and is written from the heart before the head. Now the head has a role. Um, the, there's there's a reason why the scholarship um, around this text, these texts, is so robust and is millennia old. But it comes and it lives and it dwells and it stirs deeply, right? Which makes sense. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You know, Descartes, philosopher, 
he had a uh, he had a, a phrase that um, I bet if we give a, a, just just a half a second to somebody could probably guess it and drop it into the into the Zoom chat. Um, it's I think therefore I am. You ever heard that before? Um, <clears throat> I like to consider myself a pretty rational creature. I like to consider myself kind of in my head. I tend to have a, a usually, you know, usually a pretty good grasp of context and stuff. And um, but I, I have been further and further from that experience. Um, I've moved further and further from that as an underlying truth, like as a first and primary truth. I think, therefore, I am. Um, I, I just don't get. I just don't buy it anymore. I don't buy it anymore because because of this. The, the the thing that rationalizes, the thing that describes, that articulates, it actually comes into play bef- um, after I after I am, after I experience uh, the world around me. In fact, um, and I, well, you guys know. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm no brain scientist or anything but you know i can read and um and all of the literature all of the things that we are learning about the human brain and again i know we've talked about this so i don't want to belabor it you know but talk about how our brains function a little differently than we have assumed for most of the human story right as we really get you know take mris and get to really see how these things function and what gets active when um you know and i'm gonna invite brady if i go out i know you know about this stuff. So if I hit this wrong, you are very welcome to kind of put up your hand and say, actually, Chris, it's like this. Um, <clears throat> but this, this little tiny part of our brain um, that, that kind of exists kind of right, it's deep, it's pretty small, and it's pretty much at the, at the base of things. Um, you know, this, this amygdala thing. And and this is this is what processes first. This is what fires up first. It pre uh, engages thought, intention, language. It's the it's the reason why um, you you hear a loud noise and you and you react instantly, and then you feel so foolish because of course it was just the door shutting. It's the reason why when I'm in deep thought, and, um, and Liv can attest to this, I'm in deep thought and somebody comes into the room and I'm not aware that they're there and I turn around and I see them, I jump out of my skin. Sometimes I come close to falling over just for sheer shock, right? That's not the intentional part of my brain. That's something else that's taking over. And that's this thing that, you know, that's this thing. Now, this is not, this doesn't contain all of our emotional life, but it, it, but it does contain a powerful, powerful energy in our emotional life. It's the way that we react or are or experience the world first. And it's often what keeps us alive, right? It's the thing that responds to threats. Um, and also the thing that responds to, 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 um, to great... Um, uh, I don't know if the word is opportunity, but if there's but if there's an opportunity to have a massive emotional windfall, um, you know that will sometimes kick in and try to override what we know that this isn't a wise thing to do. But the payoff, the payoff, the make the luck and get attracted to the payoff, right? This is the place that we live, and so buried, 
beneath all of the layers of our thinking, all of the layers of how we rationalize and understand and try to manage and and direct our way through life intentionally. I love that word intention. But underneath all of that, we are emoting our way through life constantly. We are emoting our way. When we ask the question, how are you? We're not asking, what are your thoughts right now? We are asking, how are you being right now? How are you relating? How does the world around you make you feel right now? And those emotions, they will shape how you are in every given situation regardless of what you think about it. And you know what this is. You know the moment that you get the thing that you've been wanting for all along. You've been trying, you've got this goal, you know, you're anticipating it, you're anticipating it, you're full of anticipation, you're rash, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a moment where you get a, you know, um, a, a diploma or degree or something, and you've got so much pent up, you can feel it, and then you get into the moment And your head is saying, this is amazing. This is the thing you've been waiting for. And your heart somehow suddenly goes flat and you don't understand why. Your heart has gone flat in that moment. Right? There's a misalignment. That's an emotional reality. It's a confusion. There's a lot that's going into that. I'm assuming you've experienced that, where you've experienced a moment and your emotions just do something that don't make sense, even if it's supposed to be positive. Right? How you are. Somebody comes up to you in that moment and says, how are you? This must be amazing. You must be feeling fantastic. And your head would say, well, I know I should be. But actually, how I am in this moment is really confused. Because I'm not aligned. I actually feel unsettled right now. I feel disappointed. I don't know why. How you are is not shaped by your circumstances, really. It's shaped by how you emotionally are interpreting the location, your location in those circumstances. The question that the Lord asks, how are you? It is so meaningful. It's honest. There's no wrong answer unless you're lying to yourself. Because it locates you. You know, the scriptures portray to us a deeply emotive God. God is not a robot. God is not a computer that's just crunching the numbers. God is not. He's the most uh, mathematical mind. He's the most like he's 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 the he's the most brilliant of the scientists. Absolutely, but he's not. He's not a computer. He's not crunching ones and zeros. He's he's not a calculator. He emotes. He love. God is love. God is, not a, God is not primarily a rational being. I don't believe it. I don't believe that's even portrayed in the scriptures. I don't believe God is portrayed as being... I'm not saying he's irrational. But to say rational is to miss the heart of God. God is love. God is this radiant response to creation. To his creation. And we are a mago day in the image of God. And your emotions and mine, they are part, a good part, of the expression of that God-likeness. Anything that tries to uh, mute that or that tries to argue 
is picking a losing battle. Now, I'm not saying that our emotions should manage and dictate and make all of our decisions for us. I'm not saying that they, you know, and there's lots of passages that talk about the heart being deceitful, and these are things that are, are meaningful. We need to think about these things. But what the heart, you know, what the heart wants, the heart wants, it's not a justification. It's not. We have capacity. We have agency, right? We have intention. And it's also true that what the heart wants, the heart wants. These things are true at the same time. This is part of the journey. It's part of navigating through. It's why there's not one step, you know, to this helpful process of the exam, but there's five, right? It's, it's context. And where there's a certain brilliance in, in evaluating and, or, or conveying our emotional life after Thanksgiving and before giving a specific context when we go through the exam practice, right? There's a safety that lives in that there's a brilliance in, in how that was kind of put together um, by the by the Jesuits back in the day. So we are Imago Day. Um, there is a day for every there's an appropriate day for every emotion that you're capable of feeling. You know, um, usually when we're putting people into the ground uh, is the day we most often read this passage. It's the funeral passage. It's from Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 3. It's eight verses. Sorry, I can count. I really can count. I just, my motor skills are are not relating to my, here's eight fingers, right? Yeah, okay, got it. Eight verses. That was hilarious, Chris. It's a time... Time for how much? There's a time for everything. A season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. That's right there. Hmm. A time to search, a time to give up. A time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to the hate. There's a time for war and there's a time for peace. There's a time for all these things. And all of these things have emotional center to them. Yes, we can look and say a time to weep and a time to laugh and to mourn and to dance. We can say, well, that's the emotional that's the emotional part of that, right? All of these things carry with them a way of being in the midst of life. All of them do a way of being in the midst of life. <clears throat> you know, um, and here's, here's the other reality when we start looking at the question, hey, how are you? Um, for some pretty reasonable 
reasons, uh, we have a, a tendency towards um, feeling the dark emotions than the light emotions. We have a tendency towards articulating or feeling anxiety uh, more acutely than peace, right? Or rage sometimes might feel more acute, might affect us for longer and at the course of our day than a moment of commensurate joy. There's a, there's a, there's a waiting in our emotional life towards the, the struggle of it. Um, it's, this is called a negative bias, it's 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 a thing. It's called a negative, uh, a negative bias, and um, and so there are there are reasons um, for that that we could talk about um, a little bit. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that right now. Why do we have a negative bias? Why does um, why does a sunrise, a beautiful sunrise? Um, not have any match on a uh, snake bite. If we get a snake bite, our, res- our emotional response is going to be much stronger, I have a feeling, as well as our physiological one, um, to a uh, beautiful sunrise. What's going on? Um, the, the reason for this is that, it, see, our emotions are revealers. Our emotions reveal stuff to us. They don't reveal to us necessarily reality, but they do reveal to us exactly and precisely how we are in reality in that moment. And we are skewed towards protection, self-protection, safety. We want to be, we want to make it to tomorrow. Heck, we want to make it to this afternoon. That's what we have a, a general and biological disposition to, survival, right? And so I need to be more aware of the thing that's a threat to me than I, than I do the thing that's beautiful because the thing that is a threat to me is an existential threat on some level. So this is, there's a reason why we have a negative bias, right? And I think on some level it's okay to, do, to just recognize that, to acknowledge that because sometimes I think we can try to mitigate or like sugarcoat um, how we're really feeling because we feel like we should be feeling great. Right, there is an ought that exists in this world, um, but really, our heart is what our heart is in a moment, and and you know we may want a, we we may want relief from our emotional life, we may want deliverance or healing in our emotional life. Those are all very appropriate things, right? Because living in suffering, living living in anxiety, it's okay to it's okay to want. But, uh, to have a peaceful and, and happy and joyful existence. It's, this is worthwhile pursuing, but we're not going to get there if we deny or we try to sugarcoat or we try to lie to ourselves about what we're actually feeling. And, um, and so there's this, there's this thing about our emotional life is always scanning for threats, right? It's always scanning for threats. And so this relates very much to what it looks like to step into a time of prayer, into a time of orientation around God's purposes. This is why it's so helpful, why there's a certain brilliance in saying, before we say, hey, how are you? We say, hey, take a look around you and find two or three things, specific things that you can be thankful for. 
right? Not to, not to, you know, carry the, the day or to, or to outbalance the things that maybe are difficult, but just find a few things to orient your vision a little bit before, but then we can, and, and you know, then we can, then we can, uh, um, be honest, be vulnerable, be real. Um, <clears throat> One of the other things that I think is really helpful that allows us to be vulnerable and real, and again, I'm skewing this towards the, the Russell of, of navigating hard feelings because navigating easy feelings with Jesus is easy. Okay, you don't need, you don't need me to come along and to, and to, and to help you, you know, be, feel close to Jesus when Jesus feels close. Okay, so I'm, I'm not skewing this because this is how it's always going to be, but because this is where the deep wrestle can be. And I don't... By the wow, well, I won't even say that. It's self-evident. I don't have all the answers. I did say it anyway. Um, here's another thing that's really helpful, as we create space to be honest with 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 God and and with a few other chosen people that we trust, which is also really helpful. It's helpful to remind ourselves, you know, um, our emotional life is not lying to us about how we are in a moment. But neither is it a reliable description of reality. Your emotional, your 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 emotions are never lying about what they are. If you're being honest with yourself, then if you're angry, you're angry. If you're enraged, you're enraged. They're not lying to you. But they are extremely deceitful about reality. If, right, so if I take my emotions and I allow that to then sh- to, to to become the primary filter through which I now not just not just how I am but who you are, right? We are we're we're treading into something that's different because our emotional life is very interior. It it is not an accurate description of reality. It might from time to time get on the nose of things. It might from time to time be. Uh, be telling us the truth, but I think it's helpful to say, you know, where is it? Where is it helpful, and where are they unhelpful? Where are they truthful, and where where are they deceitful? They are truthful in the sense that if you're if you're fearful fearful in a moment, it's foolishness to think you're not fearful. You are. That's an accurate. It's revealing something to you. It's also revealing a threat in some way, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that there's something to be afraid of. So allowing there to be a bit of a gap, a bit of an uncertainty that exists between reality as you are feeling it and as how it may be creates an opportunity, um, a, a bit of a, a bit of a safety valve. Yeah, Brady, awesome, so so good. Your emotions tell you what you are believing about your experience. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. That's exactly, that's exactly right. They're, they are revealing. They're also giving us, I love maps. Um, uh, you know, I, I love maps as metaphors, right? Um, and, uh, you know, our, our, our emotions actually provide a topographical map that reveals to us um, how we are and what we are believing. That's actually in my notes. So that, yeah, there we go, Brady. We're, t- we're talking, 
on the same page here. They're a topographical map that reveal how we are and what we are believing. They don't lie about those things to us as long as we don't lie to ourselves. Um, but they are not necessarily or even often accurate maps of the world as it actually is. Right? So they're maps of ourselves. They're not just maps of the world. Of the world, and I'm just, yeah, Andrea's comment here. What is the story your emotions are telling you? They are. They are narrating to us and through us roles. They're 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 casting us as the victim or the villain. They're casting us as the as the hero or the loser. They are narrating a story. It's a that's a great question to ask. That's a, and 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 to hear that in the invitation, right? Um, here's the really, really good news. At the, at the center of the, of, of the, of the mind and the heart of the gospel, Jesus, right? We find like it was called the center of gravity, we find the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, this moment where Jesus articulates with as much clarity and precision as we ever experience in his language. Um, he, he speaks to us about how um, we are in a, in a moment, and he speaks to it, and what's wild is that he speaks blessing. The attitude is a blessing, a blessed be, a blessed are you, a state of a state of favor. Some people have translated it happy are you, but that's actually not so helpful. I'm a big fan of Eugene Peterson, and he does know more about the original languages than I do, but I still uh, wrestle with, with that particular interpretation. Blessed is a, you know, there's the sense of, of being seen, of being favored, of being... Um, in relationship with blessed are what the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth and again remember meekness is is an we would say yeah it's meekness or humility is an attribute but it's being contrasted here with something with an with a usual right so it's being contrasted here with what we would normally see the powerful right blessed are the are the meek for they will inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled and this is, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart. Pure, I'm sorry. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I do not think it's too great a leap. There's a lot of things that Jesus is saying in the blessed R's, blessed B's, and the you know, um, you know. So I, I, 
but I don't think that I'm making a, a massive stretch to say, blessed are you who, when you answer the question, how are you, are giving answers that you wish you weren't giving. Are giving answers that are that have that stick in your throat a little bit, right? And again, you know the the sort of the bent towards the, um, the sort of what, what we call it earlier the this negative thing the, the negative bias, right? There's a bit of a negative bias that is even presented in the Beatitudes if you look at them, right? And we know that Jesus is not afraid of, of suffering. He's not afraid of the invitation into suffering. But neither is he sadistic. And, and I believe that that's a very important thing to remember as we navigate through these. Jesus is not reveling in the hard emotions. He's not reveling in these things. right? But he's acknowledging in this the negative bias. And he's saying, blessed are you anyway. Right? Met are you. And he actually comes with, there is, you know, the topographical map receives a bit of a road map, right? Blessed are you who are poor in spirit and you will, in, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. There's a road map, there's a trajectory. We're not left in this place. And that's part of what the remainder of the story is as we navigate in our praying, in our praying daily life, in our daily praying life. We navigate this, we go through this process of finding, of recognizing where God is. He's in the stillness. Of, of recognizing that there are evidences of that. Even in our worst circumstances. Maybe not in our circumstances, but adjacent to them. Within, within eyesight. Within contemplation is something that's worth saying, I'm thankful for that thing. Right? And then we get to this place of just being real honest. This is... This is how I am. This is how I am relating in this moment. And then, of course, next week we're going to step into what it is to actually invite God into a reality, into a little bit more of a, of a cognitive process, right? It's not divorced from our emotional life, but it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more specific. Um, <clears throat> So I get, I understand where Descartes comes from when he says, I think, therefore I am. But I got too clever for myself in my notes. I said, hmm, but I wonder. And so let's just take a moment. Now we're going to, I've gone a little bit longer than usual and that's because I'm a little bit, well, I always go a little bit longer than I anticipate, than I, I plan to. I'm a little bit tired, so I've gone a little bit longer than I even normally do. But um, I do want to take just, I want to close this way. Um, so it's one of, hope you guys aren't getting so sick and tired of these. It's one of our aha slides. And so I want you with a device, if you have a device handy, just to go um, to ahaslides.com slash gvchurch, the same link that we always do. And and let's just reflect. Let's just how how do we respond? What are we feeling? What's our emotional? How are we right now? So, Holy Spirit, we invite you. 
not just into our heads, what we what we feel like we should be thinking or whatever. But God, into into our uh, the place that is what it is. And we know that you that you see. You see. Here's the gamut, Lord. This is who we are. This is how we are. This is how we're coming to you. Blessed are you who are grieving for the trees. Blessed are you who are grateful. Blessed are you who are messy, lonely, and grieving. Blessed are you who are overwhelmed and disjointed. Blessed are you who are trustful yet weary. Blessed are you who feel like a squashed buck on a windshield. Oh, Lord. Blessed are you who are locked in a chrysalis. Blessed are you who are clinging to some hope. Blessed are you who are delighted. Thank you, Lord, that your blessing meets us exactly where we are, exactly how we are. It's only actually in self-deceit that we can't, that we can't find your blessing. And so we're going to close this way. We haven't done a full examine, but it's it's okay. Um, uh, I'm not encouraging us to rewrite the scriptures, but I am encouraging us when we step into the practice of being honest about about how we are, um, that we can invite the beatitude a moment into that. Blessed are you who are where you are, who are how you are. Um, <clears throat> and why don't we just say the Lord's Prayer together? Not because it's a secret anything, but it is the words that Jesus gave us, and they're good. Our Father who is in heaven, you say it however you want, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So if you've been uh, following along on uh, on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, bless you guys um, into the rest of your week. Um, we'll back into our regular Friday morning examine and uh, next Sunday as well. Usual, usual things. So bless you into your week. Take care, everybody.